Hi, everyone, and thank you for being with us. This is Fairbors Paksuresh, Director of Oregon Department of Human Services. As you know, we have been talking with directors of our five DHS programs about their program's response to the COVID-19 public health crisis. Today, we're talking about child welfare with Deputy Director Lacey Andreessen. Lacey, before we dive into child welfare pandemic response, can you give us a quick overview of what child welfare does for those who may not be familiar with the program? Sure. Oregon Child Welfare is guided by its core value that every child in Oregon has the right to grow up in a safe, permanent, and nurturing family home. To do this, our practice focuses on each child and family's individualized needs for safety, permanency, and well-being. We have a staff of just over 3,000, and we're responsible for about 6,800 youth in the care of the department. We're state-administered and district and county operationalized. Can you tell us about, from a child welfare um, caseworker perspective, what's the most difficult aspect of that work? I think that entering and being with families in what is likely their most traumatic time is what's most challenging. And that might be early on when a child has to be removed from a parent. That might be a year or two later when a plan changes. But having the skill set and the patience and the responsiveness to be with people while they're struggling is what's hard about child welfare. And then can you tell us what's the most satisfying part of doing that work? Being present when someone changes their life is an incredible experience. And I often would tell my caseworkers when I was a supervisor that they're superheroes and they change people's lives because they truly do. And watching someone recover, watching children recover, watching parents recover is phenomenal. Thank you, Lacey. Like many of our other programs, Child Welfare usually provides many of its services in a face-to-face environment. Your staff are in the homes of families, they're in communities working with parents, medical professionals, and also they're in courts. They supervise visits between children in foster care and their biological parents, sometimes in our offices and often in the community. It truly is a mobile workforce. The governor's Stay Home, Save Lives executive order drove rapid changes in how child welfare operates. Can you give us an overview of how child welfare has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic? Yes, as a matter of necessity, we rapidly adjusted to the new environment because child welfare work doesn't stop even in a pandemic. We shifted most of our workforce to remote operations, including our Oregon Child Abuse Hotline, And then we do have, as you noted, some work that relies on face-to-face contact. We've issued specific guidance on what work can be done virtually, as well as what work should be done with safety precautions in person to ensure child safety. Most of our staff are telecommuting now, although some portions of a CPS assessment, as well as parts of permanency work and certification work, are done in person when distancing guidelines are able to be followed. We've also continued to be able to hire And we've shifted to developing virtual options for interviewing and onboarding and training. The online virtual platforms for training include both training for our staff as well as for our foster families through foundations. We've given specific guidance about and continuously updated that guidance as our knowledge of the pandemic has evolved. However, the most essential work that we do is the parental visitation that you referenced. We pause facilitating visits in our office 
However, some in-person visits continued in various circumstances all across the state. We updated the guidance for in-person visitation between children and their families with input from our staff and stakeholders on June 1st. And we do have some structured decision-making points to have visits in our office again. We know that visitation between children and parents is one of the key services that we provide. And we also know that frequent visitation has been found to reduce the impact of trauma for children in foster care. We prioritize it highly. When the pandemic reached Oregon and paused their economy and public life, we all saw a dramatic decrease in the number of calls that were coming into the child abuse hotline. Now, I do know that in recent weeks, those calls have been moving up and we are having more calls. But that created a, an environment that I don't think anyone was pleased with. I know you were really concerned. I know the child welfare leadership, community advocates for children were concerned because we know that by calls coming in, it doesn't mean that abuse and neglect is not happening, especially during these times when children were at home and mandatory reporters were not in touch with them, etc. What has child welfare done to deal with this situation the best that they can? You're correct, Fairboys. We did see a dramatic decrease initially during COVID-19 and are concerned. In looking through the data that we're able to collect about the type of mandatory reporters who are calling the hotline, the only significant decrease we've seen is in our mandatory reporters in education. Other than that, the other mandatory reporter numbers have remained consistent. So we did two things to assist with the community and educators. We created a COVID-19 well-being assessment for the general public that just gives some outlines of things to consider for anyone who's not a mandatory reporter but interacting with children in their lives. And then we also partnered with Department of Education specifically to give guidance to teachers and educators as they're interacting with their children virtually around questions, things to consider, things to be aware of. I know that during this pandemic, child welfare has made a series of decisions and policy changes that have impacted families and children. What have you heard from your constituents, from families, from foster parents about how they have been impacted by these decisions? We heard loud and clearly from our foster families that they, like many parents in Oregon, were feeling the effects of limited childcare options and the increased stressors around having children in the home 24 seven. And so um, in an attempt to address that, we've made available for foster families an additional $375 per month, specifically to use to offset their needs for respite care and childcare. If there's foster parents who are listening and they're interested in that, they can contact their caseworker or certifier for more information. We also heard from our Permanency Advisory Council that some families are having more contact via virtual means and parents and children have both benefited from their additional time together. That's definitely a practice that we're gonna continue moving forward. However, we also heard that it's been extremely difficult to have a lack of physical interaction and in-person contact. And again, why we're heavily relying on our staff to move that back into practice. We also know that our child welfare program depends heavily on providers and community-based resources to meet the needs of families and children that we serve. And I know that providers have been heavily impacted during this time. It's been difficult to retain staff. It's been difficult to hire staff. It's been difficult, especially for smaller operators to be able to manage through this. How are your providers doing? 
first I want to say it's essential that we recognize how the mission of child welfare starts in the community and really want to express our thanks to all of the community who stepped forward to help support children and families during this time. For service providers that are direct provision to parents, we've done some things with their funding structure to shore them up and some examples of those providers would be parent trainers and home training supports and housing. In terms of our children and young adults, we provided bridge funding for our BRS providers, specifically to enhance their ability to meet children's expanded needs during the COVID crisis. We also have seen an uprising in communities across the state in support of foster families and youth in foster care. There's been individualized offsets of that. And then we've also seen a statewide response from My Neighbor in an ongoing effort to support foster families through the crisis. They were nimble and quick with their statewide emergency response. My Neighbor is a direct partnership between every child in DHS Child Welfare, and they have initiated the effort that organizes online the ability for a community provider to, or a family to say what they have that they could meet a need with and for a foster family or young adult to identify their need. That information can be found on their website, everychildoregon.org. Thank you, Lacey, for being with us today. And thanks to all of your staff that serve the children that need our help in foster care and our biological parents, foster parents, etc. This is a very important program because we all know that children are our future. And thanks to all of you who have been listening. This is the last in the series of the podcast for programs and how they have been responded to this pandemic. We will continue the podcast in a different form to keep you updated about what's happening as we move through this pandemic and as we go through the reopening process. Again, thanks for listening. Take care and we'll talk soon.